God, we give our, our praise and our, our worship to you today. Uh, we ask, Lord, that um, I'm always struck by this story that was read from the Gospels this morning of how as people saw you come and it was like time. For so long you said, don't tell anyone, my time's not yet come. And here in this day your time comes. As you step into that space and people catch even the slightest glimpse, they're moved to worship. So much so that you would pull forth psalms that declare, if we don't praise, then the, the stones would surely cry out. That the creation would make sure that you are worshipped. You, you, you need to, you must be worshipped. Your, your presence, who you are, what you've come in our lives to do. And so Lord, I pray that today, even by your Spirit, we would be lifted up into that place, that we would be led into worship by the Spirit of God. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he does, he asks people consistently to be quiet. Uh, he'll heal someone in a dramatic fashion, someone who has community and friends and knew them when they were lame or blind, or, and he would, they would be miraculously set free from demonic oppression or see these things happen. And Jesus continually has this curious thing that he does. He says, just keep it to yourself. Most of them can't. But his sentiment being that my time has not yet come. Something shifts here as Jesus enters into Jerusalem. And he doesn't just enter into Jerusalem sort of on a regular day, sort of without intention. He says in the Gospel reading that we said, go over there, there'll be a colt, untie it and bring it. Like he's up to something intentional here. Get me a colt, I'm going to ride it into Jerusalem. Well, Jesus didn't typically do this. He's, he's, something's happening in this moment. And many of the Gospel writers help us to draw the parallel between what's happening and prophecies like in Zechariah 9.9, where what Jesus is doing is literally by the word being fulfilled as he gets this colt and rides it into the city of David. Jesus comes, his time has come. And he enters into the city of Jerusalem, but as he enters into the city of Jerusalem, he also enters into what we refer to as his passion. The idea of his passion being connected to a Latin word that could probably better be translated suffering. Isn't that interesting? Um, I, I, as I thought about that this week, I thought, you know, what, when, what's this connection between passion and suffering? Well, the things I'm passionate about, I'll give my life for. I try and ask myself that sometimes, even as we walk life as a church, and there's so much that goes on or could go on, and, you know, I don't know if over the years, Stuart, as you led the church, if you had those moments where you sit back and you go, yeah, I wouldn't die on that hill, <laughs> right? That's not why I do this, right? That's not why we come together and worship, but then there are things that fall into that list. And what are those things? Well, here for Jesus, we see it as he enters not only into a city, but into his passion. Jesus enters Jerusalem like a king. Uh, they, they palm branches and the kind of uh, some in some respects the equivalent today would be they roll out the red carpet, right? Jesus comes in on on the red carpet, 
and, and with fanfare and great praise. And he comes into the city very much in the way of a king. Jonathan was asking me as we were walking, is there significance to the palm branches? Why do we use the palm branches? And it was that reminder for me as I thought, right, because that was the red carpet. That was how they brought kings into cities. Kings would expect it. You didn't want a Roman ruler or a king to show up in town and kind of like, you know, birds chirping and like, wah, wah. like you brought them in with great respect and honor, right? Like they, they were worthy of that. You deserved that. It was important. So Jesus comes in like a king, but what's incredible is Jesus comes in like a very different king. Yes, he comes in like a king. There's all kinds of similarities happening here. But the differences are striking. He doesn't ride in on a military horse. He doesn't ride in on a giant steed. He doesn't come in in great like kind of pomp and circumstance. He rides in on a humble donkey. On a colt. He's saying something. Right? As he rides in, he doesn't ride in with sort of a, a, a pride and a look at me. He comes in in great humility. And as he comes in, both specifically with the, with the cold and his thing, but also in the way with this humility, he actually in this way is living into the prophetic destiny of his life. A humble king. He comes in too to much fanfare and praise, but again here it's almost... The, it's incredible the difference. He's literally being welcomed into this city as the Messiah. The religious leaders are upset. Why? Because they are worshiping him as God. And that praise is coming from their gut. It's coming up out of the depths of their being. I would imagine a lot of the people that day who join in didn't wake up thinking or knowing they'd be afraid that day. This is just the natural response of humanity when he begins to be seen in his glory. He's not welcomed or kind of surrounded or ushered in with a military presence, which would have been normal of a king. Jesus has none of that. Again, very intentional. Jesus comes not... Jesus comes in just like those kings, other people who would come in that way. He comes to be exalted, but his exaltation is the way of suffering. When Jesus is lifted up, it's onto a cross. So he comes to be exalted, but that exaltation so different than every other king who's triumphantly entered into the cities of the Holy Land. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11, we have one of our lectionary passages for this, for this Sunday, where Paul encourages us to have the mind among ourselves which is ours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, and even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, 
to the glory of God the Father. He will be worshipped. But his entry, his stepping into that place in the hearts and lives of men and women like us, looks so different than what you might expect from the one who, though he was by the very nature of God. And he humbles himself. And we see that humbling happening here in this, in this day of Palm Sunday. Jesus comes to sit on David's throne, and so, again, fulfilling a prophecy around David's throne, it would be eternal. He enters Jerusalem, the city of David, as a king. He will later, and as we walk through our week together, we will come to this reflection and to this place where we sit with this reality that he was then crucified as king. They literally put above his head the title king of the Jews. Pilate has many questions for this king. But two, he's the same Jesus who rises from the dead and will return as king. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Friends, the nature of a king, who that king is, how that king carries themselves, their character, the depths of who they are, the nature of a king directly forms and shapes the kingdom and its people. Right? Does that make sense? That's good. So who we, who, who we usher in on the red carpet of our lives will directly shape and form our community and our individual lives and families. And in our, in our day, in our culture, we have certain people, certain you know, positions that we usher in on the red carpet. Right? Like you can think of those spaces. And I think part of Palm Sunday is to bring us, as we head into the Holy Week, into a place where we see... The, the, the palm branches and we hear the hosannas and it draws our eyes, our attention away from the other members or places or people on those carpets to the only one who rightly comes in and deserves that kind of fanfare. Right. right? And if we allow that to happen today and through this week, it will dramatically shape and form our community and our lives. That to follow a humble king who though he was by the very nature of God, humbled himself to have, like Paul says, this mind in us, which was also in that king, will mean that we more and more come to look like Jesus. And so it can have the kind of impact that Jesus had in the world around him. Right? So if our red carpets are, are, are consistently marked by you know, the Justin Biebers and you know, the Will Smiths, uh, you know, we, we're gonna we're gonna end up in a, in an interesting spot, right? Because in certain moments and days, they, they their life, their example will shape us really well. But on others, when friends like Chris say something we didn't expect them to say, they it throws us. And boy, have we experienced that in the in the last couple of years, even in the church. As men and, men and women who, you know, maybe didn't put themselves on the red carpet, but had in some ways been put on the red carpet. Who's the king? Whose kingdom is this? Right? And so today we let Jesus take his, his, his place there. 
You know, when Jesus stepped onto that place, zealots were incredibly discouraged. Jesus had a few of them, even in his 12. But he certainly had lots of them following him around. People who thought that Jesus would ride into Jerusalem like a king, and they were actually waiting for this, why they were following him. But when he comes in on a cult with no military presence, they realize this isn't going where they want or where they thought. That they thought Jesus would be the one to liberate them from the Roman rule. Jesus would be the one that would usher in a kingdom of earth. And so zealots are discouraged. Right? Pharisees are enraged. Pharisees, they, they see it and they think, who does this guy think he is? Right? And so I, my prayer is that today and through these next couple days as we prepare to enter into the, the Holy Week together, that, that the Lord would confront the parts of our hearts that would identify with the zealot. They, they would identify with the Pharisee. That he would bring us into a humble uh, a recognition of Christ as Jesus comes before us and we follow him into his passion together this week. But let's recognize too that even the disciples, even those who followed Jesus, but failed to see him as he is, were left confused and scattered. For here we have the exaltation of Christ the King, but also the entrance of Jesus into his passion, into his suffering. To follow Jesus is to walk into the suffering of Christ. To follow Jesus is to walk the way of his passion. Right? And that's part of why the Holy Week is so important for our discipleship. Because we don't just meet up with Jesus on the back end of this story and live our lives out with him there. Praise God, that's our future hope. But each of you know personally, even in these past days and seasons, what it is to walk through the realities and the hardships of life and faith with yourself, with your own body, with your own relationships, but even with those if you begin to widen it out and start to think about others, begin to think about the people in your life, you quickly begin to realize we need a king who knows how to do this. Right? We need company on the real journey of life. And so we come and we, we join with Christ in his suffering. My question for you as we prepare our hearts to come to the table is this. Who is on your red carpet? For who do you roll it out? Many of you know that uh, Adam... Wow, Chuck is uh, an incredibly humble man. And very open. If you've got to know him and walk with him, you'll realize very quickly he's the kind of man who stands ready to hear what the Lord wants to teach him and do in his life. And I remember having a conversation with, I think actually you were sharing with the guys at Wagner just a week ago, how he just realized there was people on the red carpet. And the Lord met him in that place and brought freedom to his life and it wasn't like you know whole world changed but it was significant right? who's on your red carpet for who do you roll it out and and what I loved when Adam shared that was it was it, it brought me into a place of listening because what he was also sharing was he didn't realize that it wasn't obvious but God showed it right? and so for us to be able to kind of walk this journey and to be able to say Lord Who's on my red carpet? 
And then as we continue together, I want to encourage you now, even as we come to the table, but each day this week, even as you start your day, as you walk through his families, as you sit down to dinner maybe, find places to roll the red carpet out for Jesus. Find spaces to look on Jesus. Follow him into the Passion. Follow him into the Holy Week. Read the Gospels together. Talk about him. Think on who he is and what he's done in your life. Like gaze on Jesus. Because my second question for you is as Jesus comes in on that space, as Jesus comes in that triumphal entry, do you see him as he is? And having, having seen him, taken it in, and this week, Lord, would you come and by your spirit, would you allow us to see you? Jesus, draw us in to the passion of Christ. Help us, give us revelation. Let this be a, a, a wealthy week, a rich week of revelation. But help us to see you as you are. The final question is having, having seen him, having rolled out the red carpet and, and, and exclusively allowed it to be the place for the presence of Christ this week. Seeing him there and considering who he is, and we'll do it together as well. The question is this, will you follow? Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We're welcomed, invited into the passion of Christ. To let it be our lives as we follow the one who walks this path. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? For what shall a man give in return for his soul. Coming back to some of the opening words of our liturgy today, I invite you to follow our Lord this Holy Week. From his triumphal entry, through his suffering and death, into the glory of his resurrection. Almighty and everlasting God, in your tender love, for us, you sent your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon himself our nature and to suffer death upon a cross, giving us the example of his great humility. Mercifully grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering and come to share in his resurrection. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen.